From Florida's Gulf Coast, where sun-kissed waves inspire us, welcome to this episode of Talent Talk and Strategy Stroll, where we navigate the intersection of talent optimization and business strategy with wit, wisdom, and a dash of sibling rivalry. I am your co-host, Mary Stockwell, joined by my brother, a Hemingway lookalike, and a seasoned business coach and talent strategist, Tim Stockwell. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well, Mayor, this morning. Thanks. And how about yourself up there in the Tampa area? It's a beautiful day, uh, overcast and chilly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about we keep your your sweater on? We're here with our rain went through. Uh, Last night, we just got a few inches, but a couple miles up the road in the central and northern Keys, they got uh, 15 to 17 inches of rain. There's quite a bit of havoc up that way. So. Oh my goodness. Butter on Mary up your way. I know you're getting chilly into the maybe into the 60s or something. So. That's right. Yeah. Um, hey Tim, let's uh let's do a recap of um the our last episode, sure. uh, which kind of focused on manager development and nurturing tomorrow's leaders. Yeah, we we try to focus on leadership development because as we say almost in all of our podcasts, how important that is for organizations to be able to understand what leadership is and how to develop it. You know, leadership is all about being able to articulate a future vision and then enrolling people into accomplishing it. There's a variety of ways to do that, but it really helps drive your organizational success. You increase pro- productivity, you increase f- efficiencies, and you accelerate your business results. Everybody wants that. Uh, it also supports succession planning. It, when you're able to identify those that have the talents that you could nurture to bring out a future leader, uh, you want to be able to have the tools to be able to do that. You also want to be able to create an engagement process with your employees. You want to be able to retain them. A retained employee is a happy employee and reduces your cost in the long run. So we we focus a lot on uh, leadership development. Uh, we've got to be able to identify and nurture those employees, those emerging leaders through their behavioral assessments. Uh, you can pinpoint and target very specific training courses for those folks over the course of a year or two. And of course, we also like to be able to look at innovative leadership styles and how to develop those unique ways. Once you understand it, you allow people to become themselves. You're going to find that it really unleashes a great talent. So I think we covered a lot of that in our last podcast. Yeah, we sure did. That's a really great recap, Tim. I appreciate it. Um, Well, today, I'm, uh, we're thrilled to have my friend Ron Garfield in the studio. He is a dynamic and innovative executive leadership coach known for transforming leaders and organizations. As the co-founder of Peak Coaching and Strategy Group, Ron brings a wealth of experience in blending data and neuroscience coaching to create sustainable models for high-performing teams. He is a certified coach through the International Coaching Federation and the Coactive Training Institute. Ron has a unique perspective on executive coaching, having transitioned from a senior executive role in the entertainment industry. He has a passion for understanding the human side of leadership, emerged from years spent with renowned brands like Fox, Hallmark, Sony, and Fremental. Join us as Ron shares his insights on leadership development, organizational engagement, and the fascinating journey that led him from entertainment, uh, from an entertainment executive to a dream team architect. Get ready for a conversation that will inspire and challenge your views on leadership. Welcome, Ron. 
Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's 28 degrees where I am. So uh <laughs> sorry, sorry about rubbing that in a little bit. Uh, that that that, yeah. that is that is okay. <laughs> well, we appreciate you joining us. We really do. And uh, just so our listeners know, um, Ron is also a certified predictive index partner. Um, and we engage on a variety of different things together, including training. Uh, meaning our personal training and um, bounce ideas off us of off of each other. So, uh, Ron, we like to start our our podcasts um, with a sibling rivalry story. We thought it would hmm. be fun today if perhaps you could share uh, a sibling rivalry story with for us. <laughs> sure, I'd love to. Uh, I have three sisters, and and I'm the oldest. Of, of four. So you can imagine just by the nature of our relationship, what it was like. But I think one in particular that I really enjoyed, we're all early risers. And my father was an early riser as well. My sisters and I all live on the West Coast. My father was on the East Coast. And I think the rivalry was on our birthdays, my father would always call us early in the morning. Now, not so early his time, maybe, but really early our time. And I think the rivalry we, we all used to go back and forth on was which one of us he called the earliest, because we thought that whoever he called earliest was the one that he favored or liked the most. Or, or like, or, or like the most. I mean, that was, a fall that was a fallacy in and of itself, because he always liked my sister Susan better than anybody. But, <laughs> but, I hope Susan's listening. Uh, well, you know, we'll certainly send her a copy of it. She'll enjoy it. So, yeah, that's a, that's, that's, that's a little rivalry. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, Ron, just for the background, there were six children when we grew up. So we have all kinds of sibling rivalry stories that... Um, some we would repeat, some maybe not. Yeah, I get, I get, I, I get well, it. We understand the competitive nature for yeah, sure. I get it 100%. Well, thanks so much for sharing. Sure, it. sure. Appreciate it. So with that, let's dig into episode eight, uh, unlocking leadership insights, navigating success, challenges, and the future. Yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting uh, podcast, Mary. And Ron, thanks again for joining us. We're looking forward to a robust discussion. So while I've got both of you, uh, why don't I just take a few minutes and just say, with all the work that you've done, what excites you most about the work that you are currently doing? Be candid. <laughs> watching watching transformation occur. I love that. Watching it with a leader who I may be coaching one-on-one -on -one or with a team, when the leader or the team has an aha moment, when something really clicks I can see it, I can feel it, or it's expressed to me. Um, quick short story, I like to do coaching when I can outside. And I have a client who commutes back and forth between Los Angeles and, and Bend where I live. And we do some hiking coaching sessions. And one of the things I always talk about with, with, my, with my clients is talking about what their superpower is. And we were having this conversation about a superpower while we were hiking up on a cliff above the Deschutes River. And I'll never forget when he just stopped and paused right there and his superpower hit him in that moment. And the word that he used was chess player oh. as his superpower. And, and what that really encompassed was the fact that he 
is the ultimate strategist. He is able to foresee moves and plan them well in advance and then guide his vision towards those moves that he's planning. It was a remarkable experience. And we yeah. still we still use that today in our work together. Wow, it's great. Well, I mean, it's great of great vision, too. I mean, a, yeah. a way that you can implant that thought process into the a chess match. Uh, that that is remarkable. That's uh, he had to dig deep for that one. That's pretty cool. Great, great way to have him open up. Mayor, what Thank about you? you? Well, I think, too, uh, I mean, aha moments are always great to see. And um, I think that keeps us going from day to day is watching people progress. One thing that I really like is people that I've worked with years ago and watching them develop over time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, seeing leaders who were maybe young in their career or new in their career and, um, you know, seeing your fingerprints on, on them as they grow um, and and become the bold leaders that they are today. I've had extraordinary experiences to be able to really see that um, routinely um, with folks that I've that I've coached, mentored, and led before. Um, so it's to me, it's ongoing. So you can see it in the moment, which is exciting, but I can also see it over over time. And watching those leaders now take the executive reins is. Um, to me, that just, it, it brings it all home. Yeah. And you've been so, quite successful with that. You have a lot of old, old, old time folks that really are still continue to rely on you. Mira. That's great. I wouldn't call them old time. They're all well, I mean, <laughs> from your, your, your vast <laughs> global worldly experience. I, yeah, and I, yeah, you're right. Either. You're right. Mira. I didn't mean you. I'm <laughs> so, the old timer. So right. that's, the, that's the case. So, yeah. So for, for me, yeah. if I could if I could just chime in on that one just a little bit, because I also like Ron, I like the aha moment. But what I find fascinating is the is the moments before that, mm. where, where they take the contemplative time to think about things that we're talking about from a different perspective, where they roll it slightly differently. You see, they see a different prism and then they just sit back and you can watch it. The, the thinking process, and then you get the aha moment. And I and I like that value that they come with is to be able to then begin to instinctively look at it from different perspectives, whatever the issue is they're dealing with. Yeah, that's really. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, Tim, if I can jump in on that, what I yeah. what I loved about what you said there, actually, I think speaks to the coaching as much as it does to the coachee. Yes, because when you're working with somebody as a coach, that's taking somebody deep, mm -hmm. right? That is taking them out of the left side of their brain and that's taking them into their right side of their brain and that's taking them into their heart and their gut. And, and that is where transformation yeah. really occurs. So hats off to all of us who have that ability and training to be able to do that with our clients. Yeah, and I and I know you do, Ron. The other thing that um, that that strikes me is um, the the ability as a coach when you are so focused on the other, on the individual, or even on the team, um, and you say something that resonates instantly with the individual or the team. And as you sit back, I do this frequently, and I just think, 
where in the world did that come from in me? <laughs> I, you know, I, Ted, Ted Olson talks a little bit about the imposter syndrome and all that sort of stuff, which it has interesting connotations to it. But, I, but I'm always amazed. It's like, that didn't come from me. It came out of my mouth, but it didn't come from me. And that, in that moment, it makes all the difference in the world to the individual or the team. Do you find that? Do you have those moments? Yeah, I'm surprised all the time. Yeah. by 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 what comes from me and yeah. to, and to your credit it does come from us because as coaches we we learn to tap into parts of us that might not even be or we knew were readily available absolutely to, to us especially when you're listening at different levels yes. right when you start listening actively and you start using gut and intuition and almost an antenna to yeah. begin to listen to your clients that's why that stuff comes it's yeah. not a, it's not a coincidence that that comes out of you yeah but an old story for and one that i always remember from my old coaching mentor uh tex johnson who I, I, I love he would always say find a way to listen to what's missing in their conversation mm -hmm. with themselves that if you could reconnect that it would make all the difference in the world to that yeah. individual so yeah. that's an ingrained process is what's missing from your conversation with yourself that would unleash you if you could get it that's really great insight and i think yeah. we'll have an opportunity sure. to delve into that a little bit deeper. yeah that'd be a good one. good session by itself yeah yeah so uh ron can you share a specific success story or case study where effective leadership development had a significant impact on an organization? Yeah, that is a really good question. And I think it actually goes back a little bit to what we were just talking about. So I was coaching a, a leader of a president of, organi of an organization and, and through our work together, I learned that he had a very, very personal connection to the LGBTQ plus community. And so through those discussions, we began having discussions around DEI initiatives within his organization and his desire to really broaden DEI within his company. And in part of the work we do around DEI, we know that DEI is only going to be effective in an organization it, when it comes from the top. Yeah. So as a result of that coaching, my partner and I began to work through him, through the organization, and really began to incorporate DEI as part of an overall business strategy and an overall people strategy. And that came as a direct result of the one-to-one -one coaching that I was doing with this executive. Impressive. That's very yeah, cool. Um, so in your work with companies using data from the predictive index, mm -hmm. what would you say are the common pain points mm -hmm. most organizations point to? Tim, I'm wow. going to ask you the same question. So, oh. <laughs> so ask Ron first so I got time to think about it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, most of my predictive index work always begins with the C-suite. And one of the things that I notice all the time that is a really common theme is communication, conflict resolution, and prioritization at the senior level of the company. 
you know, and that's normally where my conversations always begin. Mm -hmm. And then, and then after that, I think it varies by client. For example, one client right now is really focused on Inspire and the impact of middle managers. And we're looking at doing some middle management training as we get in into it. There's another client that has had some churn and turnover pro, you know, challenges. So we focus a little bit more then on the hiring but at the same time, you can't help but bleed over into Inspire because manager impact obviously Im impacts, you know, that that part of the business as well. But I think for me, the most common thing is the communication um, at the top level of the company. Yeah, we find that as well, Ron. So yeah, it's it's a common theme, isn't it, when you're working with PI tools? Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, I think too, when you're looking at the data, um, I think awareness is a pain point. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think it is a, a, you know, I mean, especially when you get into design, right? You think you have the right people in the right seats, but things aren't getting done. Yeah. You take, you take a, you know, a little peek at design and you're like, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. No Maybe I'm not as aligned as I thought I was. And here's why we have some misalignment in uh in our team and why we're not getting things, you know, done effectively. So then you can shift those conversations really quickly to, you know, who's who's in the room, who's on the team, who's in the building, or who's on the street. And then also, you know, have an approach where maybe there's people on this team that are suffering in silence because they're not happy. They're not, you know, utilizing their full skill set, and maybe they'd be better suited for a different role. Mary, I loved your, your, your point about alignment. I, I think, I think alignment is really something that most companies need to take a look at, right? When you talk about organizations and their strategies and their priorities, in my experience, most of them have too many. Mm -hmm. and, and then when you really start to dive into design and talk about alignment, really getting the leader and the senior team to prioritize three. I mean, we start with five, right? But getting yeah. to, to knock it down to three is, you know, is a challenge. I mean, I, I had a client that I did design with where I sent the priorities to the CEO then I sent it to the senior leadership team and I had asked him in advance, do you think that the team is aligned on the strategic priorities? And he yeah. goes, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and, when, and, and when I got him back, it was like, there was maybe a 10%, maybe 15% alignment. So right there is a whole discussion. That's right. You know, with with the team just to get everybody on the same page, but also how they perceive the priorities to be. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is another discussion. Uh, great, great point around alignment for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that certainly is. So mine, mine, what I would say, I, I'm a little bit more sort of pedestrian in my approach to things. You know, I'm a I, I look at it a little bit differently, but I see what I see show up originally is the certainly the awareness when a team completes their assessments. 
and you start to look at the differences between the teams, even though you thought that you were quite alike. But but then it goes further as they start to look at hiring for replacements or new positions, how how really quite poorly job descriptions are drafted, publicized, and in in that in and of itself probably attracts the right candidate for the way the job is being described, but it's not the right candidate for the job that actually needs to be done. There's where you get that misalignment at the very fundamental basic level. And uh, uh, so I I think that's, and then, so then it plays into your point there about who do you really have on the team? Where Mm -hmm. are they better suited? What jobs can they perhaps do in a little bit uh, different fashion? And again, focusing on accelerating the results. So, you know, Tim, I, a real world example of that, that is so spot on. I just had a situation where we were doing a, a, a profile and creating a JD with, with an organization and the hiring manager had a perception of what they thought the job should be. Mm-hmm. And we went through a stakeholder conversation and went through the whole process and we changed things two or three times. And oh my goodness, when it came back, his own internal self-awareness versus then looking at the job description or the reference profile and what the job really entailed, he was thinking in terms of this profile needs to be like me. Yeah, exactly. Right? This profile needs to be like me. Yeah. And and when he came back, he, he said, because then we looked at the JD yeah. and we, we kind of went through the whole process and it was blown away. And you know something I actually just found out they had it had taken this company. The job had been on the market since like June or July. They had had yeah. no luck. Yeah. They started using this process. They literally just hired a person for this role that they were not able to find a candidate for. And he started this week. Oh, boy, oh. that is a great success. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, well, thank yeah. you. But but yeah, it's all we're all talking the same language here, right? Yeah. With the PI, yeah. it's about developing a common language. And yeah. I think that's what, what we're trying to do. Yeah. And you certainly do see a lot of aha moments, don't you? When you start. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, really do. Amazing. You really do. Yep. Yeah. So Ron, kind of leading away a little bit from, yep. from that, that topic in terms of th- that process. So you're doing a lot of leadership development, just mm-hmm. direct leadership development. How do you adapt those strategies to accommodate that diverse and inclusive workforce. You mm. a little bit of an example of that before, but you know, every not every organization is the same. How do you adapt the strategies to how you approach it? Yeah, I, that that is a great question, and I'll talk a little bit to the company that I was referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, any changes, adapt, adaptation, accommodations have to come from the top and have to be supported by leadership. So. In a situation like that for adjusting, we talk about how we come into an organization and let's say bring DEI into an organization. And one of the things we may start with is we want to level set. So for us, that means we'll we'll provide or do a workplace cultural assessment within an organization, Mm -hmm. right? So this provides a better understanding of literally how psychologically safe people feel within an organization. And we can determine that. And then the way that we adjust, we do training around the results and the challenges and opportunities that may show 
from the cultural assessment. So, you know, we will come in and put together a program for leadership training, perhaps around bias and unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's almost as simple as coming in and doing training around how you define the definition of DEI, right? So it becomes, you, you adjust, but the thing that, that, I've learned and take away more than anything else is that you have to be able to create a safe space for any kind of strategies or development to occur, right? And you've got to be able, because what happens if you're not able to create a safe space, it's the conversation is going to get uncomfortable. And if people aren't open to be able to share their experience no matter what that means, then you're never going to be able to really get the results that you're looking to get unless people are willing to open up and get uncomfortable. And that's where I think coaching really excels. I mean, one of the things that I love to do is I love to get people uncomfortable because I don't think the transformation either in an organization or with a leader can really occur unless there's a willingness to get uncomfortable and sit with that discomfort. Good, good point. Good point. And the assessments truly help you gather that input, right? And that, and that insight, I'm always fascinated and, and our, and we use this a lot too, you know, when you start looking at the, at the placards that we produce for people and you you get (laughs) the dichotomy, the very first thing you see is the dichotomy between those people who are so good at talking through what they're thinking that, that that they're throwing out all kinds of things. And on the other side, you have people who really need time to think about what's been said before they can respond. So you get this, that crazy dynamic, right? If somebody just keeps going and going and going with stuff like me and other like people- me, like, kind of, like me. Yeah, and then you get those <laughs> other people that say, like my wife, whoa, slow down. I didn't even understand the first question you asked me, let alone the sixth question. So that that's where that shift and where you have to learn to adapt, don't you think, the leadership training and development process to get that, to understand it. You know, it's, it's so interesting you you bring that up. And, you know, Mary, I don't know your reference profile, but I'm guessing you're probably a little bit higher C. Are you a higher C? Uh, yes. Okay, because <laughs> I can see you kind of processing all of this. and But I always have to be really careful because I'm a high B. Yeah. And, and when I meet somebody that is a low B, yeah. I have to really self-manage in those situations. Yeah. Because, you know, when I have a high B, it's so easy for me to connect. And it's like we've known each other for 30 years. Exactly. But, but a low B, like, will look at me, their eyes will open wide and they'll go, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Where did he Where did he for come sure. from? And show me the exit door. Yeah. Well, that's why that placard is just so It's valuable. brilliant. It's very it's powerful. Real, yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't take a lot. Uh, it doesn't take, you don't have to understand the science behind it to get what that's saying. Yeah, and why people are different, yeah. and how yeah. you can quickly make adjustments in the way you think or feel, um, you know, talking with somebody just based on looking at that. 
That's I, right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Hey, Tim, I, I got a question for you. Sure. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> how do you know when a client gets it? Wow. Well, we we talked a little bit about that before, right? They, you you can start to see the the shift, but where I think it shows up, and where I'm always where I where I think they're moving in the direction of getting it is the conversation they're having with us as their coach changes. They approach it. They approach what they want to say and how they say it very differently, and they're able to understand and and uh, absorb a different perspective. Of things and and sometimes that happens quite quickly and sometimes that takes a little bit more time and therefore a little bit more coaching uh to be able to do it but i, I think it's in the nature in the way they begin to communicate that they get mm, it. Mm. Mm. i i i agree with you i mean i i agree mary your experience around that yeah i think the same i think that um seeing a client get uh get something you know quickly I think is to me it's always it comes back to me for design when they have the most aha moments and they they get it it's 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 you know the old adage a picture paints a thousand words and and looking at something that quickly that efficiently it's like got it I think that's to me where conversations really start to progress Right. Well, have you have you all found and, and I, I was just chatting with a client about this this week, you know, the, the PI data create, you know, gives us the information, but I find it it's I use it to open up dialogue mm-hmm. that that's that's really to me the essence of it as a coach is opening up dialogue. And even if you're talking to leaders or middle managers and they're working with their teams guiding them and coaching them on how to open up dialogue with people that they're that are on their teams right and again it goes back to creating the same the the safe space you know i i talk to some of these folks and go you know you're going to go into these meetings with your team and you're going to do a one-to-one relationship guide with them in their whole in their whole careers they've never had a manager come in and do this i can guarantee you know that they've that's never powerful. had it that to me is what's powerful about it yeah, yeah, powerful. yeah. uh hey ron are there any uh industry specific challenges or trends in leadership development that you've observed um and and how can organizations navigate them in today's business world yeah well what what a great question i i think the different types of focuses and training grows every day i think the coaching industry is expanding at a at an exponential rate so there's so many different approaches to leadership i know what i'm seeing a lot of and what i tend to lean into is coaching that focuses less on problem solving and doing and leans more into into coaching that blends doing and being and what i mean by that is how do you show up and what is your impact on the people that you're working with and what is the impact on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So where I tend to really lean is coaching that focuses on the whole person, not just the person that shows up in the office. 
because, when, because when you're talking about the person that just shows up in the office, it normally the, the it normally tends to be more training and tactical mm -hmm. in the discussion. And there's a couple of different modalities that that I lean into in my coaching that I think are effective. One, Mary, is one we've talked about, which is mental fitness and positive intelligence, right? And that is the that's really the modality where we address saboteur and negative voices and narratives in your head and how much time all of us, not only leaders, but all of us as human beings, spend creating negative loops in our head. So that's one of the ways that we do. Um, one of the other models that I'm just getting exposed to that, that I love, and I'm actually going through some training with it right now, it's actually called badass leadership. And, Interesting. And, I love and, that. And, and, and bad attention. Okay. And badass stands for bold, authentic, disruptive, agile, supportive, and spacious. Huh. And, and it focuses on five knowledge centers that every human being has, right? And it starts with your head, right? Because that's where we spend most of our time, and that's reasoning. Then it moves to your heart, which is where you really tap into love and compassion. Your gut, which is about intuition. It actually taps into your groin, which is where passion originates. And then your hands, which is all about action. And most of That's us spend most of us spend time with our head and our hands, mm -hmm. thinking and we're doing. But what happens for a leader today when they really begin to tap into the heart, the gut, and the groin? And Very so, yeah, so that's a model that I'm actually just beginning to explore. And it syncs up actually really nicely with the mental fitness and and, and that work that I do around the saboteurs. Mm -hmm. but, but again, as you talk about trends, Mary, this isn't for everybody, right? And so I think as a coach where I've evolved to is I don't necessarily want to be for everybody. Right. I, I don't yeah. I don't I, I just don't. I, I want to be for people who for people who are really leaning into transformation, who want to go deep inside themselves, right? And set a willingness and an intention to go about doing that. Otherwise, and okay. otherwise, in my humble opinion, they're wasting their money and time and to a certain degree mine as well so that, that's what i'm seeing right now yeah that's really that's, insightful. yeah it's a it's a yeah, that and that is a that's a fascinating approach because as you're talking about that ron and the kind of people you like to coach with i find i find the people who know there's something going on they can't crack it themselves so they so it and it may take a longer conversation process, but to be able to see that old them kind of melt away, you know, because they're 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 in a place where they're open and receptive to how things could be. 
And I and I think then helping leading down to a, eventually get to the point like where you're talking about doing it. I think that's great. So do you think, though, that uh, that kind of leadership, Ron, in, in, in any kind of leadership development is really being recognized now on an increasing mm. basis with companies as a true people strategy? Or is it, I hate to use the term, the, the flavor of the month, but what what are your thoughts? What are you seeing? Yeah, yeah I, I think leadership is evolving every day. Mm-hmm. And I think the characteristics of leadership are evolving every day. And, you know, you all know this is, is better than anybody is, you know, we have five generations in the workplace right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think as the generations evolve and new leaders begin to come in and new leaders begin to have different priorities and different sensitivities and are looking for different things within the organizations that they're working for, right? They're more, more younger people are more socially conscious. They're, I think leadership will be incorporated and shift along the way. So I think it's a really fluid model. And, And I think as a coach, we need to determine where we want to put our placeholder. You know, um, you know, I do it, Mary, you you know, I, I do a weekly email every week. And, and this week I talked about the qualities of humility in leadership. And it's kind of the it's the secret sauce. It's the secret recipe, in my opinion, when it comes to leadership. Right. And it, it's it's the cornerstone. Right. So leadership is about trust. Mm-hmm. And humility is the cornerstone of trust into building teamwork and success, right? And so to take a leader who is maybe leads for more of a a command style and actually move and begin to shift them to a place that they're leading from humility. Some people do it really naturally. Other people, other people you you're really pulling them along and that's That's where and that's where it takes to your point and where you use the pi work the self-awareness of understanding what drives them and really digging deep with them and getting their commitment to the work absolutely yeah a lot of a lot of views of it mayor what are your thoughts well i think that um you know middle managers are are really at stake right here right so I think with with the five generations in the workforce, the middle managers typically probably today in their 30s to 45-ish, kind of in that in that maybe age group, they really need to be supportive, have some programs designed specifically for their new growth and their level of uh, responsibilities that will be moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, my my two cents is, and again, I, I I tend to look at things somewhat somewhat differently. But what I see right now in the workplace is a desire and an interest in leadership development, but everything everywhere seems to be on fire. <clears throat> so <clears throat> leadership <clears throat> is struggling. Even middle managers, Merit, to your point, are struggling with <clears throat> either finding the courage or finding the way to say, you know what, I've got to put a fire stop in place somewhere and begin to work on how we're going to solve these problems for the future. How do we prevent this fire from getting out of control 
What can we do now? It takes courage for a leader to step up and say that because everyone will tell you, I am so busy. I got fires going all the time. Yeah. I would love to be able to spend time in leadership development, but it really takes a commitment to say, you know what? We, we've been on fire for years. If I look to the future, we're going to be on fire for years. What do I do to put a fire break in place and say, let's get some strategies that help us build leaderships that can put out the fires before they really get started. And I and think that's, that's where we got to go. I think that's so relative to, um, I was, the next question I wanted to get to was, what are the key indicators yeah. that suggest a company is ready to invest in or revamp its leadership development programs? Um, <clears throat> any thoughts on that? You know, I'm going to go back to, again, starting at the top, you know, and in my experience, it's crawl, walk, run, you know, and and so I, you know, I'll give an example. Um, you know, it's an evolution, not a revolution, not to be too cliche about it, but I, but I started working with it with a company and we brought in design. That was the first thing we did with leadership. Right. And then we began to roll out. And that's this year we began to roll out PI to this company. And it included me doing some one on one leadership coaching with the CEO, which I incorporated the mental fitness work in. Now he's come to me and we're talking about next year. Yeah. Right. And he was barely able to squeak the budget out to do it this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're sure. talking about next year and he's going, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's a PI component to it, which our friends at PI will be glad to hear. Right. There'll yeah. be a, there'll be a renewal. There'll be a renewal there coming up. Yeah. Yeah. But the other side of this is all of this leadership development that he is now layered into what he's looking for. Yeah. next year middle manager leadership training right and so think about the great tools that we have at pi that we can leverage to do that as well so it's expansive and all of a sudden you know this company where everything's on fire mm -hmm. everything is on fire it's no different than any other company yeah, everybody else that's is is now this it's coming from the top mm -hmm. you know and what this CEO said to me at the beginning of top of his coaching work with me, he goes, I need to shift from an operational mindset to a CEO vision yeah. mindset. Love it. And, mm -hmm. and this is a guy who holds on to everything, right? Is a perfectionist, right? And all of a sudden I'm watching him let go of this and it's rolling into the organization. Right. It's rolling. So he now believes, you know, in this process and the investment in it. So it's crawl, walk, walk for a bit, jog, and then just kind of move from from there. Is yeah. Have you seen that? Is that something that <clears throat> resonates with you at all? Mayor? Yes. Yeah, I think we have seen that in multiple clients. And I think the hair on fire syndrome is, you know, what's our priority today? Um, I think it is somewhat frustrating from a, from an advisory standpoint that 
you know, companies feel that way because it's, um, you know, delaying what could be possible. Um, so, you know, we really want to show and share and have great examples of how this can help, help accelerate some of the things to help put those fires out in right. a more expedited manner. Absolutely. Well, doesn't that doesn't that come down to prioritization as well, right? If you're if you're working with a team and they're constantly doing fire drills, what are they willing to say no to? Exactly. It, you know, it's yeah. stuff. If the stuff that comes in does it fit into one of the verticals or the three strategic initiatives that they decided on, mm -hmm. and you know that's the work we do. How do you say no? Yeah. To to things. Exactly. And yes, there's there's always going to be that occasional firestorm. That's going to, that's just the nature of of business. Yeah. But that comes down to how you prioritize and what you're willing to say no to. Absolutely. Right. But I, I we we really did cover uh, a lot of ground today, Mary. And I think there's there's enough here. Maybe we could have Ron back soon for uh, for another chapter of this version. What do you What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, we have covered a, a great deal. <laughs> There's so much more to discuss. I think it's been a lively, uh, super engaging conversation. Yep. Ron, if you're game, um, would you be interested in, in um, coming back and having another chat with us, doing like a part two? Wow, thank you. I would love to. I've really, I, I've really enjoyed this a lot. So yes, you. You let me know. We'll find a date and uh, we'll come back and then pick up for round two for sure. Uh, that's great. That great. is really good. Well, uh, you know, I hope I hope our listeners really enjoyed this episode and and recognize how enthused we are about being able to to contribute to the acceleration of the results of business people. So this episode of Talent Talk and Strategy Stroll, we've had a great time. Uh, as always, Mary and I welcome your calls and we do appreciate them when you get them. We love them. Uh, and some of the discussions that we're having with some of our listeners. Uh, don't be bashful. Send us a note. <laughs> get us on LinkedIn. Uh, with our talent management platform, we can support customers uh, really, literally around the world. In fact, we're, we're going to work with one in Belgium and Turkey soon. So uh, it's a talent optimization journey. Let us help you with it. And we can develop leaders at any level uh, over whatever period of time. We have the tools. We have the experience. Uh, we have our associates like Ron that can come in and help with some of these things as well. <clears throat> some of the other strategies he's used. So connect with us on LinkedIn, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can always reach out to Mayor at her number 727-260-2085 or me 816-522-4777. Direct messages, whatever way works for you. We'd be happy to have a quick conversation and even maybe a one-on-one -on -one talent strategy with you. Just show you in a matter of minutes how it's going to make an effect uh, and a difference in your company. <laughs> so today's episode um, is today's episode is sponsored by Meritas Leadership Academy, uh, which where we offer a range of programs designed to develop and enhance various leadership skills. Our offerings include individual and team learning programs. Some of the programs that contribute to our Leadership Academy include executive coaching one-on-one, -on -one, manager development essentials, manager direct reports, employee development essentials, 
navigating interpersonal workshops, uh, team building and collaborative workshops, innovation and change management workshops, global leadership and cultural intelligence platforms, and a networking and mentoring opportunities that has a private and active Facebook group. Thank you for joining us today uh, for today's episode, Unlocking Leadership Insights, Navigating Success and Challenges in the Future. You can download Talent Talk and Strategy Stroll on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you like us, please follow us and engage with us and uh, share with your friends. Ron, thanks again so much for joining Thank us. Thank you. Have yeah. a happy Thanksgiving. See you yeah. on the beach. See you yep. soon. Have Thank a great you stroll. All, all yep. right. Take care, guys.